The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and we are without the tyrant fishing Rick this evening. So we've got two guests on. The first is the fantastic Fort Support. How are you, mate? Hiya. Pretty good. That's the way. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And we've got the lovely Porsche. Good evening. How is everyone? Very good. Very Excellent. good. Another week, another loss. Disappointing. What? <laughs> no, no, no. We won. We definitely won. What did we win? Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely certain. You can tell because of the fact that um, we won and we got four points. That's oh. really all you need to know. I know, it's pretty good. Jeez, didn't feel like it. Well, you know, I think that people are being prima donnas at the moment. We're in box seat <laughs> to uh, finish top four, quite frankly. We've only got to win half of our remaining games. If we win half of our remaining games, we're top four, and that's a simple fact. Yeah, and if you, at, at any point of the year, if you think you can win half of your games and finish top four, you're in a bloody good position. So really, I, I think that... With um, the buy and we've got a couple of guys coming back in, uh, or Carlo, and who knows when Trengo will be back, but hopefully him fairly soon in time for finals. I think that we're in a really great spot to still be a, a good top four side and we'll have the advantage of being the underdogs instead of having to go top of the ladder and go, oh gosh, are we going to lose every game? You know, well, what we'll if, what if the, sides. What if the top four actually win half their remaining games as well? What if they do? Aren't they playing against each other some of the time as well? This is That's true. what tends to happen. Yeah. yeah. And we're playing you know, them too. So-called eight-point eight games, I think they call them. So uh, as long as we win against finalists and, you know, um, do okay against bottom sides. And that's just a half win rate, you know. What's our win rate been so far this year? Well, in excess of 50%, so... Absolutely. I think oh, look, it's big... been a very exciting season. I mean, uh, how, yeah. how many years can you say that there's five legitimate chances for a premiership this late in the year? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Although I think this is... It could be one of those years like... Um, Reminds me of 2007 in that respect, in that after the event, everyone said, oh, it was always going to be Geelong. But at the time, it was actually really close, and there were a lot of thought about who could possibly win, who could possibly win. So we might see one team arise and then become the new dominant side, but um, yeah, we might not too. That's right. I mean, Geelong only won the premiership really by half a kick. I mean, they only made it by <laughs> half a kick. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Going to the grand final, I was really confident, which was disappointing, but there you go. That's it. <laughs> Makes it so much worse. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. enough of uh, talking about that uh, okay. specific day. Yes. Uh, and let's get on with our love and hate, which is one thing we loved, one thing we hated in and about Port Adelaide this week. Port support, mate. I'll start with you. Okay, well, one thing I absolutely loved about the game on the weekend, and it actually is quite challenging to find uh, a few things, but one thing I really did love was uh, the farewell to Cassisi. Yeah. For me, that was... Um, yeah, for me, that was definitely... Um, in a time where we don't have the same sort of emotion in football that we used to, where we can show our players how much we appreciate them, we're able to give Cassisi uh, a fairly fitting uh, farewell. The reason why it, it means more for me is obviously because I have an Italian background, but I was at that farewell in 2009 for uh, Peter Bergwijn and Brendan Laid, that miserable North Melbourne game where it was pissing down with rain and... Mm. Yeah. We lost the game to Shocking some, day. you know, that, that 50 metre penalty that was just the weakest, softest 50 metre penalty you'd see, any, you'd see given. Yeah. To see those two champion players leave after a game like that on a day like that with only 17,000 
supporters there and then compare that to the weekend with Cassisi, I just thought that was, that was a fitting way to, to send off a champion of our club. Yep, good call. It's a better send-off than uh, Glen Archer got, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. What about your hate? The hate. Uh, my hate is uh, it's, it's a certain uh, thing that happens to us every now and again, and it happened to us a lot um, in the Primus days, and it hasn't really happened much in the, the Hinkley days. It's, it's when teams get uh, the quick-fire goal, and this happened to us three times against Melbourne, where Melbourne would kick a goal, we'd reset, and then within 10, 20, 30 seconds, they'd kick a second goal because they just get an instant break from the centre square. And that happened yep. about three times at least. Um, and once they got three quick <clears> goals. <throat> so that was probably my biggest hate of the match, was that conceding uh, easy goals like that. Uh, I think that's in part to do with um, the fact that we set up offensively and so if it doesn't go our way, it does break out quick. Um, that's sort of what we were doing in 2007, so I understand what you're saying there um, in that we'd always be on the offensive side of the ball, which can get you some pretty fast clearances, but if you get caught out, you get really caught out. Um, I think that was probably part of that, but yeah. Oh, yeah, we, 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 we certainly set up um, offensively, <clears> but... <throat> didn't pay off at all. We got smashed in the set of clearances. Well, it's, sure. it's a risk you take, though, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. And Portia, what about you? Oh, oh, Shizzy. Love it. Fantastic. Great to see him back on the side. Why wasn't he in all year? Um, how good is Camo Show? How Seriously, many, how how many games Camo Show? How many games could we have been playing him instead of a midget, honestly? Um, that's no offence, but really, he could have been there taking marks on the week. He could have been doing all sorts of stuff. And it's just really disappointing he hasn't had a chance to now. But I'm glad, I'm really glad that he's come on and he's really claimed that spot. And I think that Aaron Young should be looking at him and seeing that's how you claim a spot. So... Uh, very happy with that. Very happy with that. That's definitely my love. Oh, look, um, Cam O'Shea. I mean, he uh, is definitely the best offensive uh, halfback flanker in our side at the moment. He's got, he's got fantastic instincts. That's what's really good about him. He's got fantastic instincts and he knows where the... He can pinpoint the key players and get involved with them. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't create his own mistakes. That's what I'm, that's what I really like. Sorry? He runs all day. Yeah, runs all day. Absolutely. Yep. He's he's quite tall. Um, yeah, he's a really good, really good player. Very happy, very happy. Um, yep, he's definitely better than uh, Broadbent at the moment, and the uh, the other back flanker. I can't remember his name. What's his name? Um, oh, Jason Jason Pugsley. I don't know. Is Matthew Bishop still playing for us? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Matthew Bishop. That's yep, it. That's him. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. I like. I it. mean. Really, we know that O'Shea now is pretty much, he's knocked down that whole rebounding halfback flanker thing for Port Adelaide. So between him and Broadbent, there's just no room for anyone else. No, that's true. Um, that's very it's, true. It's just, there is it. room for Impey because he does more of a shutdown role. Well, you know, he, yeah, exactly. You know, he's enough. Aspect. I know. And, you know, if we did have any other player, we'd probably be surplus to requirements and we'd look at trading him at the end of the year, I'd yeah, say. That's right. Um, just to get some good players in, maybe some tools. But, yeah, I'd go with something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my hate for the week is just, um, I've already kind of touched on it, it's just Port fans, honestly, they, we've had a fantastic season, just get some perspective. If you can't take a four-point win and then go, well, that's a four-point win and we're in the finals, so that's bloody brilliant, I, I don't know what's wrong with you, honestly. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> that's a fair call. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. that. Well, look, my love for this week is getting the win for Dom. Uh, that's the only mm. positive I had out of Sunday. Um, it was bloody ugly, but it was fantastic to get the win for him in his last game. Such a great player for our club. 
you know, it, was, it was a very good leader for our club um, in some pretty trying times. Um, and as you said, Fort Support, I thought uh, the send-off was, was really good. It was a little bit understated, which I liked. Um, there wasn't a lot of fanfare, but it was great that he was able to do a, a, a big lap of honour and you know everyone stood up and gave him a huge round of applause, which was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I would have, I would have loved it if he got that goal, though. That just really... Oh. Yeah. Stupid Not... ball. I know. He designed that ball, honestly. Must have been a Crows fan. Absolutely. Yeah. Off the game, I suppose. It was the it was the anti Monfries. <laughs> yeah. Disappointing. Uh, and look, my hate. Look, I, I think it's a very very sad day today for the Port Adelaide Footy Club when uh, Stephen Trigg decides to leave the Crows to join Carlton. You know, it's someone that's done so much great work and given so much pleasure for the Port Adelaide Footy Club. Um, you know, you may be gone, Stephen, but you will never ever be forgotten. I understand it's a, it's a huge loss for the Port Adelaide Football Club, but I think that we've coped with losses like that before, like when James Fantasia left the club, you know, and they suddenly started recruiting half-decent players again. We've coped with that, and I think we're doing okay, and I think that we'll cope with the loss of Trigg, because if anyone can find incompetent players to put in charge of a football club, it's the uh, SANFL. So I think I think the club's in good hands to go forward and be um, mediocre in the future. Definitely. I just hope they give it to David Noble. I mean, he's already performing about seven different roles there. Why not add another one to the list? Well, absolutely. You would have actually almost thought that Neil Craig, uh, not Neil Craig, um, Reid might have come back, but um, he's apparently he's the new person that did everything wrong. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe That'd it might be cut amongst the pigeons. If he yeah. Can. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll find that um, after Stephen Trigger's left, maybe we'll find out all sorts of horrible scandals that everything was his fault. I don't know. What do you think? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe. Well, that's it. Look, if I was to have something a little bit more related to the Port Adelaide Footy Club, I would have uh, my haters being our midfield on the weekend where it just got absolutely smashed in the second half and didn't really give a whimper, um, mm. really, which was uh, a little bit disappointing, I thought. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of players in the midfield that were down, um, especially White and Polek. They probably, both of them, had their worst games for the year, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, I think... I think with White and Pollock, though, the nature of the role that they play, that was the sort of game that was going to expose them because they, um, they're they both outside players and not in, not saying it in an insulting way, it's just their best form. So if the ball's not coming out in some form they can vaguely exploit, if it's not coming into open areas that they can exploit, then they're going to have terrible games and that's just the nature of the, the player type that they are. Um, I think that the midfield, they really didn't do all that well, but I don't know, at some point we're going to have to talk about the football club lying? Is it something that we actually are doing the hard extra training sessions that we have done in the past? Because I kind of feel like we are, even though the club's sort of saying that we're not and we're not doing anything differently. I kind of feel like that we probably are. I don't know. We got the power to win, power to roll. All right, well, look, let's go straight into the review. Port came away with a very lucky three-point win. We won 10 goals, 12 to 10 goals, 9 against Melbourne on Sunday at uh, Adelaide Oval. Uh, Jay Schultz, Paul Stewart and Justin Westhoff were the multiple goal kickers with two goals each. Um, I think we might split this up into two halves and talk about the first half first because we did play some pretty good footy um, up to half time. We did lead by 30 points um, at one stage in that second quarter. Yep. Um, look, uh, keeping that in, in mind... Um, and the fact that we keep thinking that we pretty much just need to get four points and not worry too much about percentage, although we do have to worry about percentage a little bit more now. Um, 
when you're that far up, then you take your foot off the pedal a little bit, don't you? Um, and it's not easy to always put it back on. We saw that God knows how many times when the Choco was coach, and it's just a, a thing with football sides. If you if you get that little bit extra up, then you can be exposed, particularly if it happens quite early in the game. Um, and yeah, that, I think that's all that is basically. Uh, we can do it. We can play well. It's it's great to see that we can do that because it means that our potential is extremely high um, when it really matters. It's just that. We are grinding out the seasons, getting enough wins to finish top four. I think that's yep. really all it is. Look, I thought the signs were there in the first five minutes that we weren't really all that switched on. You know, oh. The very first kick of the game, I think, was Ollie Wines, and he missed the target with a 15-metre kick by, by a long way. You know, Matty mm. White takes his eye off the ball when he's about to take a mark and run down the wing, um, drops the ball. You know, we missed tackles, we missed kicks. I think we made about 10 mistakes in that first five-minute period there. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it didn't really look like we were all that switched on. But we did sort of settle and, and we did get on top in the midfield. Um, and it did look like we would cruise to a, a fairly easy but maybe uninspiring sort of 7-10 to 10 goal win there for a little while. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, and we kept on building and building. And then, we, yeah, we just hit that point about halfway through the second quarter when we just slowed down and Melbourne were able to you know, grind us for the next, I guess, quarter and a half eventually take the lead in the third quarter. I think another part of it is also sort of, um, if you look at it in individual psychology, I suppose you'd refer to it as group psychology. So um, I remember with Buddy Franklin after they uh, Hawthorne won that first premiership, it was like, well, okay, the biggest challenge for Alistair Clarkson now is going to be keeping Buddy motivated because he knows he can do everything he needs to do. And I think that's really where we're at. I think that the players, they do have a fairly good amount of self-belief, although they probably have questioned themselves a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. But as a group, I think that they still feel like they can win a game from any point and you just start testing it and you start pushing it and seeing how little you have to do to actually get that win. And maybe you don't respect the win as much as you should. And I think that's certainly a focus that you're getting in the post-match um, from someone like Hinkley that, uh, you know, it did actually the win is actually a bit better than you sort of think, but maybe 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 the players also aren't being entirely honest with themselves and maybe they can, I don't know, gel a bit better, try a bit harder, play a bit more for each other. Hard to say, but, uh, yeah. yeah. There is a mental challenge, to, especially for a bunch of oh, young yeah. kids who have had a lot of success in a very short amount of time. Mm. If you look at Ollie Wines, for example, like, okay, he's playing fantastic football, but he's one person that's coming to the club and all he's ever known is the terrific atmosphere and culture, and you know, hopefully that's going to be great for his development. But um, for other players, that might lead them to obviously slacken off a little bit in terms of you know their, their application on the game day. Yeah, it could be that. Um, but well, I think that um, Macca was just saying, well, White dropping uh, the ball on the run, that sort of thing, just that lack of follow-through that you really need when you're really focused. Um, and it's hard to maintain focus all season, and I'm not so worried if we don't have focus now when we're on the edge of the floor with only a few games needed to win. Um, we'd much rather be unfocused now than be unfocused in finals. So if it's just the, the stakes that are the difference, you know, playing against Melbourne at home, Melbourne is still a drag side, let's be honest. Um, you don't really get up for, do you? So... Uh, yeah, if, if this is when we lose focus and we still get the four points, well, that doesn't really concern me as long as when we hit finals and I suppose round 23 when we're playing Fremantle as close to a finals we're going to get outside of that, um, then I, I'm going to be, that's fine by me, you know. i um, just got to try and manage it. 
you'd think the double chance would be motivation enough. I mean, he was the perfect chance to get some percentage over, you know, Fremantle, who had a <clears> surprise <throat> loss. You know, no one really expected them to lose against St Kilda, but they did. You know, he's a he's a fantastic chance for us to, to get a couple of percent above them, um, knowing that they've lost a game that they weren't expected to lose and knowing that they play a couple of top four sides um, in the remaining games. I'm going to Port Adelaide you there and I'm going to say that playing for the double chance is really um, not Port Adelaide because that's assuming you're going to lose a final straight up. Um, it, really, who's, who's the last Premier to lose the first final? It just doesn't happen. So no, for, it, it's, for me, it's, it's not a, a matter of possibly losing a final. For me, it's a, a matter of getting the week off and ensuring that you get the win in that first week. Ah, but what we, we were the first team to be knocked off top position under the new system, this current system, which I call the new system for some reason, yep. where basically all it is, we can still get the week off. It's just we have to win away instead of at home. And that's not as big a deal as it used to be. You know, if we're going to be playing against, uh, who are we going to be playing top later? Hawthorne. If we're playing Hawthorne in Melbourne in round one, yeah, it'll be really intimidating, but we're going to have to win there eventually anyway. And if we win week one, we get the week off. And it's the same as if we grinded out these extra effort for six games over the next six games to finish second or first instead of fourth. And I know that um, the year that we got done by Collingwood first up, Collingwood in those last couple of matches, you looked at them and they're like, what are they doing? But they were just waiting because they had worked out the system that if you are third or fourth, you can still get that you can definitely still get that um, week off. And we've seen that happen a few times now. Sure, uh, but the, the, the point is that um, it's a matter of finishing top four, finishing fifth. That's the point. Absolutely. You know, if, we miss, if, we, if we miss top four by you know, half a percent or a percent, I think they'll be looking at this game as, as one that really got away. Oh, uh, yeah, but that's always a, a thing you're trying to do. Um, when you're dealing, I suppose, when you're dealing with elite athletes, it's the same when you're dealing with elite competitions, is that you're always half a game away from being out of it completely. Um, it's, it's why in the NFL, you know, that's an even competition. That's why in the NFL the Super Bowl teams change pretty much every year because it's just that little in it between the sides as to who's going to finish where. And uh, quite honestly, if we can't, if, if we lose in round 23, um, that, that'll be it, you know. That's that's one we really want to get because that's an eight-point game for us with Fremantle yeah. where they are. Um, but if we beat Fremantle, well, then that's fourth locked up, I would have thought. Yeah. Look, I think the positive to take out of this game is that pretty much everything that could go wrong did go wrong. We were absolutely yeah. deplorable in terms of skill level. Our structures were an absolute disaster and we still got away with the four points. I, look, I, that's, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> because, look... It, you know, two, three years ago, we would have lost that game by seven or eight goals. Oh, hell yeah, at least. And we would have lost it early, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. A Paul Roos coach team would have bumped us. Um, oh, yeah. Without we question. Would, we would have been obliterated, no doubt about it. Just mercilessly torn apart in every way. Yeah. Well, look, let's talk about the second half, uh, where things started to go a little bit uh, left of centre. Um, what went wrong? You know, what sort of changed from the first half there? Well, we just kept on pushing players back, really. We we gave up structure to get the plus one in defence, and we yeah. happened more and more and more where we ended up... We pushed a player back, they manned up. Pushed another player back, they manned up. And, you know, for most of the second half, we were able to limit their scoring to a degree, but, like, like this, was, this was my hate, they got those three goals in the third quarter. Bang, bang, bang. Mm. And we weren't able to... You know, even if we set up offensively, we weren't able to to get get one back until you know that Chad Wingard free kick, which was so obviously a free kick. I still can't believe yeah, yeah. would say it was a it was a lucky call. We got knocked high front on by by Watts. That's that's a free kick every day of the week. 
Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. It's a definite, definitely a free kick. For me, it was obvious that we, we just always have to have a plus one in defense. That's how we w- want to play the game. Um, and that's fine when you know, you're playing sort of a, a six-man-on-five forward line or something like that. But when they start to man up and you throw another man back and they man that person up and then you throw you know, an eighth or a ninth person back, you're just robbing Peter to pay Paul, I think, in that situation. Because our forward line, you know, on the rare occasions in that second half where we actually won the clearance, we literally had no one to kick to because we were playing for much of the second half with a two-man forward line, which is ludicrous. But that's the strategy. So basically, if we put players behind the ball and that allows us to control the play, that's great. So we control the play and we can go on the rebound and we're set up to go on the rebound because of all the smalls and runners we've got. If they man up and we send another guy back, well, then slowly, 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 they're going to have too many people on their offensive side of the ball, which is basically means that when we clear it, we've got half an absolute pitch to, to run in and do whatever the hell we want. Um, and just hope that we can win, say, a one-on-one in the goal square or, or something along those lines and just run on. So, it's yeah, it's highly fitness intensive. I think that's one of the things we're supposed to be known for. So I'd hope that we are able to cope with it. But that, that's a strategy. That's not a, the sign of a weakness. That's what we're trying to do because we don't have the tall structure in place. It's I, Look, I've said it before. It's really it's almost too late this year to really go in and say, okay, now we're going to start doing, you know, triangle leads with three key forwards, all that sort of thing. It's not going to happen at this point in the season. I'd love to see it happen, but we've got what we've got. And, uh, you know, it's it's one thing to take a tall structure and put in some smalls like uh, Malcolm Blight did with the Tony Modra disappearing in both final series, but it's another thing to do in there and just suddenly start inserting talls. I can't think of a team. And if you can, I'd love to hear about it. If anyone listening to the podcast can, I would love to hear about it. But I can't think of a team that's plugged in extra tolls into their existing structure and then to go on somewhere in the finals. I, I can't think of one. No, it probably won't happen. But yeah. if, 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 if they did do it, if Hinkley did it, and we saw Butcher line up centre-half forward in the first yep. week of the finals, oh, man, I just pissed myself laughing. <laughs> and if it works too, it would be brilliant. Well, look. I mean, well, I'm fine with us playing that sort of Pagan's Paddock style open, you know, forward fifty because yep. it, it does work and it has worked this year. But you know, you've got to be, you've got to be a lot more clean with the ball than what we were on the weekend. And that system, as it's shown the last sort of four weeks, if you put us under pressure, we start to crumble a bit. But that's because we've lost the anchors in our defence, isn't it? With uh, Trengove and Carlisle, um, that that's a huge part of that. But but. Here's the good news. When they come back, when we've got Jonas playing, say, the third tall or off tall or whatever else you want to call it, and we've got O'Shea and Pittard both in the side, how good do we look then? Honestly, that we are built for that game. If we've got our, if we've got our full side around, we are absolutely built for the game style that we're playing right now. We are built to turn it over in defence, to give it to fast runners that are going to lead down to other fast runners in White and Polak and the like of those, and then get it down and clear, uh, get quick goals just on the rebound as much as anything. I think that once we've got everyone back, we are built for the game style we're currently playing. And in that respect, I think we should probably persist with it. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with having um, the plus one in defence. Um, and if we do it to the point where a few extra players have to go back to, to balance it out, it's not such a big problem if it happens on the rare occasion. But we seem to be doing it quite, we saw it quite a lot against Richmond. And I think to a point, it is a sign that our midfield is is weaker than what it was. If we had a stronger... If the midfield was stronger as it was earlier in the year, we wouldn't need to be rushing so many players back as the plus one. But then again, with Carlo and Trengo missing, not only do we lose the uh, 
the big bodies, we also lose that, that gel that seems to happen so well in defence that we saw in the first half of the year as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, look, there's reasons why we're doing what we're doing, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not just stubbornness or anything else. It's that we've got a style that's been prepared for the list based, prepared for the year based on the list that we actually have, not the one that we should have or the one that we're going to have. Um, and I think we just have to stick with it because it's got us this far and, uh, quite honestly, um, it's the only thing, it's, this is the only way we're going to get a premiership this year, I'm afraid. And obviously there's not great certainty that, but if we're going to, it's going to happen with this plan because it's the only one we've got that we can play right now. Yep. We'll see the only oh. one that we actually know how to play as well. So. Well, exactly. It's, it's, it's everything. It, it is everything. All things to all men. It is the one we can play. It's the one we have a capability to play. It's the one we've already been playing and it's the one that we don't really have any clear alternatives to. It, it's it's a no-brainer at this point. We we just have to persist, and it'll be frustrating at times, particularly with players missing. But we just have to persist, and who knows? It might get us there in the end. I don't know. We'll find out. Well, if we had a full, I'm oh, sorry. I was if we had a full a full complement of players, um, a lot of these issues wouldn't be issues. Absolutely not. We'd we'd have the structure. You know, the argument for the third key toll wouldn't really be as strong because we'd have enough tolls anyway. Exactly. And yeah, we'd be playing. So, I, you know, from that point of view, it's yeah, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. It is a no-brainer. There you, Do you go. Think we're, we're playing a few players injured at the moment because oh. you know Ebert doesn't look right, Hartlett doesn't look right, Polek doesn't look right. I don't know if Polek is injured. Um, I, look, I'd, you always play with injured players that aren't 100%. Um, unless it's round one and everyone's had a really wonderful preseason, there's always going to be someone that's carrying something. How serious it is, I don't know. Um, someone like Hartlett, I would be surprised if he ever wasn't carrying some sort of soft tissue injury just because of how he seems to be built. Um, so I've got there's no doubt at all. But you work through it. You have injections, which is not really a great aspect of our game, but you have injections and you just try and grind through it um, and then hope that you've got what you need uh, at the end of the year. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, for a guy that was on his last legs, I think even Cassisi, he's sort of still grinding it out. So really that's what we're doing now and hopefully um, come finals they might a bit better, maybe the bye, I guess they're all looking forward to this bye week, so we'll see how we go after that, with a little final push for the finals. Yeah, injuries, they do take their toll, um, mm. but we saw, we saw on the weekend, players were making what I'd call unforced errors, you know, they're kicking to players under no pressure, and they're just missing the target by a, a fair whack. Now, there was, there was talk that um, one of the balls was flat, but from what we heard, that it seemed to affect Dom Tyson more than anyone else. And um, I, think, I think that's just focus. It's not. A, it's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a skill error in that they don't know how to kick. I think it's just focus, like not thinking through what's going to happen with the ball, not perceiving, you know, mentally what's going to happen when you kick the ball, not seeing ahead to where your teammates are running and who's on their tail, that sort of thing, and that makes you look like an idiot because you're not focused. And I think that's where we're at. They're obviously yeah, well, extremely what, tired. They're obviously doing things that they're not used to doing because they're covering for people. And yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just... so it's more so that than than injuries. Um, mm. is what yeah, I, that's what is, is, is going on. Um, I, like Hartlett, I think he got a bit of a knock during the game, so he probably um, slowed down after it was about it was about third quarter or late in the second. He sort of hurt himself in a marking contest in defence. Mm. And then uh, yeah, Pollock has sort of been a bit off since um, his ankle injury, but yeah. certainly on the weekend he was probably the quietest he's been, and yeah, the game didn't suit him. Mm. He was certainly down. Yep. Jarman Impey, how have we seen his last few weeks? 
Uh, he's, I think I compared him earlier in the year, not directly as a player type, but that sort of enthusiasm and defensive accountability that we've seen from Impey early on, I think was exactly like we saw with Nathan Cracker in his first 10 games. He was just running everywhere. He was involved in everything. And I think he's just uh, getting tired at the end of a long season. Um, yeah. But we still need him. I think he's still the best option for the position, so he's going to have to lift. Um, good luck to him. <laughs> I think he's been uh, exposed a little bit more in the last few weeks than what he has been earlier in the season. And that's probably due to not having Carlo and Trengo around him and having Homsch having to go from yeah. third tall to your full back and, and uh, Jonas having to look after a, a key player as well. So it probably exposes MP a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I think it's mostly probably conditioning. Just the fact he hasn't had those multiple AFL seasons behind him. He's just come in from the draft and had a really good crack. There's no doubt he's had an absolutely fantastic effort this year and really speaks wonders for... Now, what we might see in the future, but I think he's just bucket. <laughs> oh, yeah, he definitely is. Yeah. He's, he's still trying to yeah. He's still like that run he did in, in that Melbourne game um, mm. where he got caught by the Melbourne player running off the bench. You know, if, 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 he, had, if he hadn't got caught, that would have been uh, probably a certain goal, you'd say. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. very good run. Mm. I'm hoping to see him in the finals. I'm, I'm hoping they can manage him to get him into, into the finals because I think that would be invaluable for him. But it's yeah, yeah. tough and go whether whether he'd be the best selection. Mm. I think the week off is going to do wonders uh, for a lot of players, to be honest. Hopefully. Mm. How do we see Paul Stewart fitting in um, in the back end of the year? Did we see his game as something that you would see him sort of cementing a spot in the side? No. Nah. No. I, mean, I think no, I that... Think so either. No, look, I think that he's playing like he knows it's his last chance, and that's great, but... I don't have any confidence that once he doesn't think it's his last chance, it'll actually perform. Um, he might get a couple more goes, and that'd be great, but I, I don't have any real faith for him to turn around. He's the same age as Travis Spoke, and he's just still a half-bit player flanker. I, it sounds rough, but he's never, he's not really stood up and ever claimed a position as this is the Paul Stewart position, and, yeah, he's on the outer, and maybe he'll do better at another club because I don't think it's probably going to happen with us. Yeah, I love, I love the guy. He's, um, yeah, he's a great guy, a great club person. Mm. I think he did the Munfrey's role all right on the weekend, kicked a couple of important goals, which is always fantastic. But I'm not, I can't see him holding his position mm. once Munfrey's returns. And no. players like Young, I think, have pretty much overtaken him now. So he's probably going to struggle to get AFL. Well, he struggled this year to get AFL time, injury notwithstanding. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that Young's overtaken him. I think it's just that Young might get better than Paul Stewart currently is. I should point out that I really rate Young. Uh, I read. Yeah, he had a good game. He had a very good game. I thought oh, he, he just needs to to find a way to uh, to find a little bit more of the ball because uh, when he gets it, something good generally happens. I thought he was very very useful on the weekend. He was winning a lot of contested ball, um, and I thought he. Probably had a good sort of seven or eight score involvements with his touches. Um, it would be good if he could get um, with his full games into the sort of uh, you know low to mid twenties possession wise. I think he nailed it pretty well in your review, Maka, um, with Young. It's like he didn't really notice him, but once you started adding up all the little bits and pieces, he had what twenty touches in the end or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think Young has a great amount of potential, but really, I, I just want to see him do more of everything. 
<laughs> or really specialise in one thing that he does and just make it his own. I, I think that it's hard to be a generalist in AFL. It really is and hard to be a generalist and stay in the side and I think that's what he currently is and hopefully, I don't know, who are our development coaches at the moment? Hopefully one of them takes them under him under their wing and uh, really just says, okay, this is how you play position X and he just gets the opportunity to do that and really focus his talent and learn that position well rather than just have a crack at everything that he's told to do. Mm. He's done well to hold a spot. Oh, yeah. He's he's only played, I think, three SAFL games. All the other weeks he's been in the AFL, so he's... Okay, admittedly, it's been a sub most of the time, but to be in the team, in a team that's fifth and was first for most of the year, it's fair effort. The only other one I want to talk about is Benny Newton. How did we see his last quarter coming on a sub? I thought he was quite useful. I I, I didn't recognise him for a minute and I thought it was Matt Thomas back in the side because of what he did. Um, so, I don't know. I'm going to have to rewatch him again next game because that just destroyed my perception of him for this game. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, you know, in hindsight, we probably should have played him from the start, really. Yeah, he would have been a better option. Contested player in there and have someone that was more outside as the as the sub, whether that be Young, White, or or Pollock. Yep. But that's easy to say now in hindsight. So you could say had shit yeah. games. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I guess the one thing he's got in, in his um, to his advantage is that a lot of the players in the side actually have played the full season AFL level, and he should be relatively fresh. So hopefully, yeah, why not give him a couple of full games while the other guys uh, act as sub, perhaps, and get their own fitness back? Some of the first choice guys. Why not? Yeah, he deserves the opportunity. He's been emergency for. God knows how many weeks, and he's been one of the best players at the SNFL level for most of the year. And his form in AFL has been, I think, has been you know fine to warrant more opportunity. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it comes to what you're saying earlier, Porsche. You know, why why put all these games into, you know, Sam Gray and, and Mitchell? We have players like Newton and you know Tolls that could have been given games. Yeah. Well, look, it's. I don't know. How's his pace, Newton? Is he gonna? That, that's the one. That's the one thing you can say about Gray and um, Mitchell is not that they're you know like lightning fast, but they are fast enough, and they are agile enough to do some things that we kind of need with the the slingshot style we're going for. And how does yeah, Newton fit into the, that? He's a bit slower, isn't he? Yeah, he's not as yeah. fast as obviously Mitchell or, yeah. or Gray, but. And that's the thing. Whereas O'Shea, he is—he is a runner. He—he's not probably maybe I don't know. I don't know. He probably is about as fast as either of those. But um, Newton, I don't know. He's competing with the slow guys, and there's not a lot of them in our side. Uh, maybe Cassisi retiring will give Newton a bit of a run. But um, yeah, that's probably it, really. But uh, he's not one of the guys I'd say would be coming in to be part of that slingshot running brigade. He's more sort of a um, Ebert wines relief. Hopefully, we'll see. Well, yeah, now that Cassisi's um, out, mm. that does give someone like Newton a chance, as well as Andrew Moore. Yeah, true, either of those, although, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I agree. Mm. Look, best players, Porsche, I'll start with you. Oh, O'Shea, and O'Shea, three votes for O'Shea, um, I don't know, was anyone else playing? Don't really know. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, apart from that... Uh, Pinard was pretty good. Um, Boak, fantastic, I, I think. He's always good. Um, I don't know. Apart from that, I'm struggling a little bit. wasn't all that 
great a game for the sort of performances I like. Um, there was no one really that I felt that was just the right person at the right time for the most part. I don't know. I'm never good at this part of the review. Sorry, Maka. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> we'll forgive you this time. Oh, thank you. And Forza, what about you? Um, well, I, I probably would have given Westoff best on ground if he'd kicked that goal in the last. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, we sort of expected that he wouldn't kick it. And we could. there was the collective sigh in the stadium when he missed that, that goal. So I probably got him as yeah. my second second best. And Yeah. Uh, best, I, I have to give it to Gray. He's just super consistent, yeah. wins the ball, does a lot of stuff with it. You know, I wish he could hit the scoreboard a bit more than he has, but he's still fantastic. And third best, uh, I gave it to O'Shea. Minded his opponent, provided a lot of run, was fantastic for us. And, you know, it's, it's it, was, it was the O'Shea of last year, and it's it's. Almost, it's quite upsetting that he hasn't played more games this year, to be honest. So yeah, mm. my my best three. Yep, that's fair enough. My best on was also Cam O'Shea. I thought he provided fantastic run and carry from def, uh, from defence. You know, he really took the game on and, and was one of the only players to really try and play direct uh, down the corridor as well. Um, the other thing that really impressed me about his game was that he was so strong over the bowl. You know, he really mm. attacked it really hard won a couple of really important contested possessions, and they also led to goals, I thought, as well. In fact, I was pretty close to his best game of footy at AFL level, I reckon. Pretty close, yeah. Uh, next best would have been Jackie Homsch. I thought he did a fantastic job in shutting down Dawes, um, who had just the one scoring shot and one mark inside 50 for the day. Um, you know, he's really turning into a fantastic player, Homsch. Um, mm. Robbie Gray, again, he's just a master this year, just so consistent. He led the way in disposals. Uh, clearances, contested possessions, and goal assists as well. Just a fantastic game. Um, Our captain, Travis Boak, I thought he had a fantastic first half and was one of the main reasons why we did lead by five goals halfway through that second quarter. Uh, He did fall out of it in the second half, but, you know, that that first half was good enough to get him in the best players. And uh, Aaron Young was my fifth best. I thought he had a really strong game. Um, And as I said before, he just needs to push those disposals up, you know, another three or four times um, a game. Um, but again, he was really strong over the bowl and, and seemed to have a, a huge part in a number of our scoring attempts, I thought. What do we want to see for the rest of the season? Um, grinding out wins and finishing top four, wherever that might be within the top four, and um, hopefully getting uh, key position players back and uh, building that into a fantastic slingshot defence with uh, O'Shannon and Flank and that other guy on the other. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this Rick? <laughs> Who is Rick? So Rick's here. Mm. Well, look, what sort of chance do we have against uh, probably the three toughest games would be Collingwood, uh, Sydney and Fremantle. What are we expecting there? Oh, I think we'll do Frio. Um, I don't know why, but I can be arrogant about Frio sometimes, so I could be completely horribly wrong. And if I am wrong, I'll be extremely upset. Yep. Um, Sydney... Uh, I never rate us against Sydney, but we do occasionally win, so that's all right. Collingwood, I, I'm very confident we'll beat. I don't know why, but I just am. I think that I don't think they can match us. I think they'll do okay in midfield, but apart from that, I think we can match them quite comfortably across the board. So yeah, I think quite, I think we'll beat Collingwood. Yep. Yeah, I'm quite confident about Sydney and Collingwood. Um, not so confident about Frio. 
I guess yeah. a lot of that's probably based on our results from last year, which is, you know, a lot changes in a year, but you, you tend to still look at recent history, I suppose. And last time we were at Patterson's against Frio, they thumped us by 70-odd points late in the season. But they were charging to a grand final, and obviously this year they look a little bit more shaky than what they did. So I think we, you know, I think we're a good chance against all of them, so long as we, you know, recapture that Hawthorne, Geelong, Fremantle beating form of uh, mid-season. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah, absolutely. No, I think we should definitely beat Collingwood. I think we'll beat Carlton and Gold Coast as well. Yeah. It really comes down to those other two games against the uh, the top four opposition. Um, how good is that, uh, that Sydney game going to be on a, uh, on a Saturday night? That's going to be a ripper. Absolutely. Yeah, it, like, um, it depends on what you're watching it for. If you're watching it to see two sides that are going to make the finals, um, really go at it, it'll be a great game. But if you're going to look for some pretty football or some, you know, Decisive football. I think it's going to be an absolutely ugly. It. It's going to be an ugly scrag fest. It'll probably be quite low scoring. Um, I think it'll be a horrible game for a neutral to watch in a lot of respects, unless you really just love final style football, um, which surprisingly a lot of people don't. And that's why the barrack for teams like Richmond. Very <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> cool. <laughs> we might give the stadium attendance record a shake as well, which would be. Um, mm. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Well, let's leave it there for this week. Okay. Porsche, thanks for coming on. Not a problem. Fort Support, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me again. Oh, Maka, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks. No one has <laughs> ever said that to me. That's fantastic. <laughs> there you go. Oh, this is brilliant. Oh. <laughs> How wonderful. That's great. <laughs> go Port Adelaide. Can't Port. Go Port. Woo. Gray was brave, running hard, more getting forward. One last chance, boat brilliant, winds. Montfries centering ball, Cassisi, Willard. You know who again. It is his birthday. Kid's a freak.